Welcome to the Happy Sober Podcast. Helping people get back in control of their life, happiness, peace, and purpose, and all without a drop of alcohol. For more information and to book your place on our next free quit drinking webinar, visit www.stopdrinkingexpert.com. And now, here's your host, Craig Beck. Hi there, my name is Craig Beck, and I'm from the website stopdrinkingexpert.com. Today, I want to talk about how you deal with anxiety after quitting drinking. Now, before I go any further, let me remind you that I'm not a doctor and I'm not here to give medical advice. I am a former problem drinker who escaped the loop of alcoholism about 10 years ago, and I've been helping other people to replicate my journey. That's where I'm coming to you from. So, first of all, I just wanna say I understand. If you, if you suffer with anxiety, I understand how you feel and why you're afraid to give up this drug. Because I've suffered with it myself, and um, at points of my life, I've been on prescription medication for anxiety and panic attacks. Uh, it's probably no coincidence that at the height of my anxiety, it was also the height of my drinking. And in fact, since I quit drinking, I've never had a panic attack, never had any anxiety, never been prescribed any medication. But that's great. But I understand that there's no point me standing here and saying to someone who has anxiety and believes that alcohol is helping with it, there's no point me saying here, you're wrong. Because that's the worst way to change someone's point of view, isn't it? I understand where your belief structure comes from, and I understand there's no point me here, you know, standing here saying, well, anxiety doesn't cure, you know, alcohol doesn't cure anxiety, it creates it. It's not gonna make any difference. But what I would ask you to do is just step back from the situation you're in and examine the labels that you're attaching to things. Try and almost float above this situation and see it from a third person's point of view. Watch it as though it's on a stage, like a play being performed. Because often we get so in the middle of our problem that we can't see the edges anymore. We can only see this blinkered view. And I think one of the biggest problems with this drug is that we mislabel things. We mislabel symptoms and things that it does. For example, people claim that alcohol helps them relax. They insist on it. They're so convinced by that statement that it's not even questionable. It's like the law of gravity. It's, you don't ever doubt it. It's just there. Alcohol helps you relax, right? And you've got the evidence because you come home from work. You're all stressed. Your boss has been an asshole. And the kids are playing up when you get home and you have a row with your wife or your husband. And you open that first bottle of beer or that you pour that first glass of wine and you're all stressed and you sit there and you drink it and you go, oh, oh I needed that. Oh, man. Mm. Oh, I'm relaxed now. And so we have evidence there that alcohol helps us relax. But if that was true, then logically, the more you drank, the more relaxed you would get, wouldn't you? That, oh, sensation you get when you have that first drink on an evening, well, the second drink, you'd get the same response, wouldn't you? And the third drink and the fourth drink, by the fifth drink, you'd be like, oh, I'm so relaxed now. 
but you don't. You only get the ah on the first string. Why is that? Because if alcohol helps us relax, then it has to consistently do that because it's not a smart liquid designed by NASA. It doesn't change its properties or its impact on us based on time or quantity drunk. It's just the rotting discharge of decaying vegetable matter. It's not a smart liquid, so it can't change its impact or effect on the human body. So it either helps us relax or it doesn't. It would be like, you know, me saying to you, here, uh, drink this glass of orange juice. The, only the first glass tastes like orange, though. The second glass tastes like banana and the third glass tastes like peach. Doesn't make any sense, does it? it? It's either orange juice or it isn't. And with alcohol, the truth is it doesn't help you relax. We're mislabeling it. What alcohol does in that moment is it alleviates the symptoms of withdrawal that it put there in the first place to make you drink again. Because that's how all drugs work. Carrot and stick. All drugs do this. This is how they get us. They make us feel bad and then they reward our compliance with a brief alleviation of the symptoms. So that's why you don't get an ah on the second drink, because you've already alleviated the withdrawal symptoms on the first drink. There's nothing to alleviate. So this is called the kick, by the way. This is how drugs manipulate us. And with heroin, for example, the kick is very powerful. You know when you're being kicked by heroin because it hurts a lot. It's very painful, it's very difficult to endure, and you have to go through agony for an extended period of time knowing all too well that you can make all the pain go away if you will just take some more heroin. That's why that drug is so difficult to get off. Now with alcohol, the kick is very mild. It's very subtle. And actually, do you know what it feels like? Mild anxiety. That jittery sensation that you vocalize as, oh, do with a drink. That is alcohol kicking you. Now, if you struggle with anxiety and you stop drinking and suddenly you get, you're feeling very anxious and panicky, it's very easy to disconnect the two things and say, oh, the thing that was helping with me with my anxiety is now gone and now I've got a lot of anxiety. This is a mislabeling because alcohol is creating the anxiety and then telling you that the solution to your anxiety is to drink alcohol. And here's where it gets really narcissistic and devious. Because if you do what it says and drink the alcohol, your anxiety goes away. It's, it's evil the way it gets us. Because it's true. Alcohol takes away the anxiety, but it wasn't really anxiety. It was the kick. So that's the first thing I want you to just stop and examine your little bubble of drinking activity and question it a little bit. I want you to look at the way you've been labeling this and just ask yourself, could I possibly be getting this wrong? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm asking you to examine the way you are labeling your situation. Now, let's just pretend for a moment that alcohol does help with anxiety. 
it's not a reason to carry on drinking because what alcohol does is it well the first thing you should know is alcohol doesn't fix any problem it doesn't make any problem go away it's not like when you drink you hit stop and eject on your problems you just hit the pause button but it doesn't stop other problems arriving at the same time so you get a, a backing up of problems and then when you when you remove the alcohol and the tape starts to play again you get the original problem plus all the stuff that's accumulated and this is how you get this kind of spiral this downward spiral with alcohol now a lot of people quit drinking and then they complain to me they say Craig I was drinking and everything else was fine but now I've given it up and my marriage has gone to shit I'm arguing all the time, my marriage has gone downhill, this, that. Craig, I've quit drinking and my anxiety's back. Craig, I've quit drinking and the pain in my back has come back. Why did you make me give up the stuff that was helping? And it wasn't helping, alcohol just covers over stuff. And if you're tempted to think, well, that'll do, if I've got pain in my back and it covers over the problem, that'll do. If I've got anxiety and it covers over the problem, that'll do. Let me ask you a question. If you went to the hospital and they did a scan on you and they sat you down and they said, right, unfortunately, uh, we found that you have a tumor and it is cancerous. Would you like us to just give you some tablets that make you unaware of it? It won't get any better, in fact it will get worse and eventually it'll kill you. But what we can do is give you some tablets so that you're just not aware of it. Would you say, yes doctor, that sounds perfect, thank you very much. You'd say no, wouldn't you? You'd say, well, look, no, let's, let's get working on the problem, let's see if we can fix this. And that's what I'm trying to say to you with alcohol, is look, alcohol is very good at creating smoke and mirrors in life and covering up problems. and. You know, back when I was a drinker, I was in a dead-end job. I was financially and emotionally broke. Uh, I was in a, a marriage that was going nowhere, that it probably should have ended years previous. I was in, we were in separate bedrooms for three years. Uh, I was depressed and miserable and ah, just everything in my life sucked. And then when I stopped drinking, I, I had to deal with a lot of these problems. My marriage ended. And people say to me, Craig, did quitting drinking end your marriage? No, quitting drinking gave me the clarity to see what I was using alcohol to cover up in my life. And so if you're drinking to cope with anxiety, I encourage you to get to the root cause of that problem because it's coming from somewhere. You may be conscious of it or you may not. It may be something that happened to you that you're fully aware of, or it may be some trauma that happened to you as a young child that you've repressed in the back of your mind. Look, from my years as a hypnotherapist, all I can tell you is repressed trauma does not go away. Just because you're not conscious of it does not mean that it's not there. And unfortunately, when you bury these demons, they don't die, they just mutate. And so they change into different things throughout your life. And they're always going to cause you a problem until you deal with them. You've got to dig them up and expose them to the light and understand why they were there in the first place. And you can drink alcohol for the rest of your life if you want, 
to avoid dealing with this, but you'll have to accept that you will live a dramatically shorter life and that your relationships will be significantly more poor than they would have been, that your financial situation will never reach what you could have achieved. Your health will be poor for a good percentage of your life. And if you ask me, it's just too big a price to pay. I understand that the alcohol helps with your anxiety, but the price is ridiculous. The price you're paying is just scandalous. So as much as it's scary and it hurts, I encourage you to take action, remove the alcohol, and then deal with the problem that is underneath it. Because if you don't deal with the problem underneath it, you're always going to feel like you're struggling without your old coping mechanism. You're always going to be a dry drunk. You're always going to be one of those people who's sober but miserable. And that is not something you should be aiming for. Expose the problems and deal with them. It's not going to be easy. It's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. But you have never made any significant step forward and growth in your life from within your comfort zone, from a position of comfort. Those big leaps forward, those big dramatic changes in your life have come when you were uncomfortable. And so I encourage you <laughs> to suck it up and get on with it. There's probably some really soft, nicey-nicey therapist way of saying that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's not my style. Just suck it up and get on with it. Get it done. So I hope that helps. If you have any questions, please drop me an email. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And if you are worried about your drinking, you know what to do. Go to my website and sign up for today's free quit drinking webinar stopdrinkingexpert.com. I will even give you a copy of my best-selling book, Alcohol Lied to Me, free as a gift for turning up. So thanks very much for being with me today, and I will see you in the next episode.